before the show here, Ben was telling me that he he wants to be your campaign manager, and he came up with some pretty sweet <laughs> some slogans for you. And, oh fuck yeah, <laughs> uh, Ben! Do you want to do you want to share with him these these well, mind blowing revelations? <laughs> yeah, please do. I I thought it was do like not dude. So, well, yeah, it's do just when it's d o u x. Oh, okay. Well, then perfect. So I got some campaign slogans. <laughs> we got do the do, just do it, do or die, do or do not, what it do, Mountain Dew, do me, do crew. <laughs> Damn. All systems go. Prepare for countdown. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Blast off to adventure in the amazing year 400 billion. <laughs> Obscene, dirty, filthy, immoral. What are you people? On dope? Straight revelations ten minutes prior to the show starting. Straight rawness. I might have to use some of those. I'll hit you up and we make the campaign. Yeah. (laughs) Vote for Dude. 2020. 2020. (laughs) So uh, you just posted a new auction. That was something you were working on today? Or is that something you had finished? Yeah, it's something I uh, started yesterday and I finished today. Dang. Yeah, I just did. So um, I love that one. I did like a, um, a little more of like a pedal design in it, if that makes sense. So less with a circle bit and more with kind of like a inverted cone. I'm not sure exactly what you'd call it, but it's wider at the tip than it is as it goes in. Like it kind of shrinks as it goes in. And so it's great for making like pedal-like designs kind of coming out from the center. Yeah, the next Mammoth Tusk cookie, number 57. I like that uh, you're using different gemstones now rather than just the same synthetic opals that you see a lot in the glass community. Yeah, thank you, man. That it really brings, I, and I love the synthetic opals too. Like I was kind of torn doing that because they're just so beautiful, and I had a lot of people. I think it kind of started with I had people either on the street or at shops when I went in and just showed them my work, and they would kind of like the people that didn't know anything about it would right off the bat like, "Have you thought about using like natural gemstones?" When I explained it was a synthetic stone, right? And I kind of realized there was that market for more and more natural stones, which I was really excited to hear because I've always been obsessed with rocks and minerals and stuff like that. I was definitely the kid like had a shoebox full of rocks under his bed, maybe <laughs> two or three sometimes. And I just loved picking them up on walks or wherever I could find them. Yeah, they have like memory value to them they like they they allow you to yeah. remember things that you might not otherwise yeah and it's just so beautiful to see something so pure and gorgeous come out of i mean essentially rock and like lava and i mean it depends on the gemstone kind of where it started but basically the earth pooped this out and it's so right. pretty yeah <laughs> it's cool it gives it gives each piece like its own it gives it more personality i think i would definitely agree with that like each gemstone it's sometimes it's not even until i really add the gemstone or pick kind of like halfway through what gemstone i'm going to be using with it that the whole theme of the piece becomes more apparent because color really does add a lot to that that's cool so you had uh some some things you wanted to speak to us about this week i thought it'd be great to have another episode in the do chronicles here uh on the show so I'll let you kind of lead it, and then Ben had a couple questions uh, towards the end that we'll get into. Oh, fuck yeah. That'd be great. And I'd love to talk to you a little bit about your art, too, Ben. I saw some of your drawings. It's oh, cool. gorgeous. I want to hear something about like your inspiration and stuff. Sweet. Yeah. Love to do that. For sure. So I just had like a short little rant. Um, so I'm excited for the time that we're alive, like many of us are, but because it feels like a second renaissance, which I've heard a few people use that term, too, but... It seems to be so true in that the power is coming back to the individual to really expose yourself. You don't have to have, I mean, this has been happening for most of the 2000s and we're kind of accustomed to it at this point, but I feel like people are kind of starting to take it for granted. They're so used to it that we forget how powerful and how great of a time it is. Like um, one of my biggest things to think about is in the past, I think the issue has been for great artists that a lot of the time they didn't get their due or nobody really recognized them at all as having skill until after they were dead or late, late, late into their life. Yeah. Definitely. After a long, long, long struggle. Right. 
And so, like, imagine if Van Gogh had had an Instagram, which sounds like a kind of stupid thing to say, but I mean, really consider that. Like, well, imagine if, you... if the internet had been around them and he could have had one. He might not have cut off his ear. <laughs> and not even like it's an just, Instagram. If you just peel back what that is, like at its <gasps> core, it's just a tool, yeah. a platform for sharing visual, you know, just imagery basically and, and video obviously. Yeah. But like at, at its core, it's like I took this picture. Now I want to share it with anyone that's following me and this algorithm will help or hinder that well, uh, that process. <laughs> they had nothing like yeah. that back then and really up until the birth of the internet that was you know publicly accessible i mean you had galleries and we still do but something that anybody can just go to a computer anywhere and like make an account and now you can share your art well even 30 years ago it was all just word of mouth you know yeah it exactly is, it is yeah. super recent another thing though what unless um, you could get into like a magazine or a newspaper and even that is still basically word of mouth well that would have been really it's expensive talking about it expensive to get those ads in there and i think that's definitely uh, that's how a lot of uh, uh like clothing designers and music designers had to get their stuff out there as well and i guess i'm really inspired by van gogh in that aspect that he had such like a hard time with his art that his brother had to basically buy all his paintings from him to keep him going and that that kind of drove if i'm remembering this correctly drove his brother to be like almost broke and i can't imagine the emotional tension that would have put on him and his family and everything so i guess what i'm trying to say here is like it seems like a lot of artists in the past weren't able to get out there or get seen by the right people to where it was far after they were gone to where they were noticed. And I think it's part of my job as an artist and other artist jobs as artists to kind of change that paradigm and find a way to earn at least a small percentage of your worth in your actual lifetime. Well, and do you think because there's this trend? Do you think the fact that it was so hard to break out back then and that once mm-hmm. once you died, that's generally like you're saying when when they became famous. But I feel like we remember more of those artists works than people will in our future, you know, looking back on what all we've created just because of the sheer numbers of it, the technology allowing us to to put our work out there has also allowed a flood of work to be put out there. So much content, yeah. like every human on the planet would never be able to watch it all if if you sat down, you know, from the time you're born till the time you die, just watching it, you, you, there, you would never run out. Yeah. I mean, it goes on and on and on and on. Exactly. So, it, I mean, it comes back to the same kind of thing, though. Like, the artists that we hear about from the past are just the ones that stood out. Right. Because I can't imagine how many more there would have been that literally no one knows about today. Not a soul. Because they didn't find a way to get out. I mean, it was difficult back then. So, fair. Well, and not even that. Just, like, backup. Like, how many artists lost their works and they were gone forever that we never even knew yeah. about, you know, these days That's everything is backed yeah. up for better, or for worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unless you could find somebody to like make an imitation painting back then you're kind right. of screwed on that front. Yeah. Yeah. There's a fire or, or if you worked with other mediums besides just canvas. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, if you were working with stone, that would make a big difference. People that did yeah, their paintings cool. inside of churches, that made a big difference. So much art on so many walls that probably were destroyed during so many wars. Or just hoodlums, too. Yeah. There was um the Norwegian black metal scene, and these kids were trying to be satanic or just as hardcore as they could, and they were just out burning churches for the sake of burning churches. So there's a lot of artwork well, loss. There are a lot of history loss there, too, you know? Yeah. Because yeah. it's metal? Uh, I don't know. Just, I think... Boredom? Yeah, boredom. Probably. I think boredom, <laughs> probably boredom, rage yeah. against the machine for the type gram. attitude, yeah, doing it for the gram. Oh well, yeah, well this happened Just in the teenage 80s. angst. Oh, yeah, yeah, There's a lot of teenage <laughs> angst. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I feel like it's a so it's kind of difficult for. I know a lot of artist friends that I talk to. Like one of the top things that we all struggle with is how do I price my work and how do I ask what I know that I need? And I know that I'm at a point now where I feel like I'm worth asking that, but it's difficult for me. And we all seem to have this invisible barrier that's really, really hard to get through to like, I want to have more than just enough to pay bills and kind of scrap by. 
Like I want to actually be able to invest in my business and grow it or buy new tools or have new business ideas in general. Yeah, you see that a lot in the glass community, people sometimes holding themselves back on making the yeah. art that they want to make because they need to pay their bills. So they make the production stuff or they won't put as much time or effort into a piece because, you know, time is money when you're doing this sort of thing. And uh, yeah, yeah, they sometimes know Sometimes you have to just grind it out and yeah. make the money. It's how, necessary, yeah. How do you make those decisions with your pieces on like how to price them and what you feel they're worth versus what you think you can yeah. get out of them. Like how, how do you make that choice? So I've mostly settled it with auctions, like 90% of my posts or 90% of everything that I've ever sold. I think probably a higher percentage than that has been auctions. Okay. And I've enjoyed just seeing the community's feedback on it. And I know that it's not necessarily, it doesn't mean what this piece is worth. It could, but in general, I think this would be good for other artists to note too. It just means this is what it's worth to the community that you have amassed so far. Like, I'm not trying to put down anything at all. It's just that sometimes it's very easy to attach. Like when an auction goes a lot lower than you thought, mm -hmm. like to attach your actual emotion to that and say, damn, I guess I'm not as worth as much as I thought I was. I like that might not be the case. <clears throat> and you have to kind of detach yourself from that a little bit in that process. So it can be risky in that aspect and it can cause some emotional roller coasters, <laughs> but you can learn how to kind of detach yourself from it from it a little bit yeah totally but then whenever i do like sell a piece it's kind of based off of what have auctions gone on for in the past and how much time did i spend in this versus other things that sold for x mm -hmm. and that's not even reaching like all of your followers i mean you're basically at the mercy of the algorithm and oh yeah i mean yeah, definitely timing. kind of tank this yeah. year but i'm not one to complain about it like i enjoy the challenge right that means it's a game right everybody else is tanked too so we're all at the same level so who gives a shit like yep. let's go i feel like timing has a lot to do with it too just like is it a busy season for people working or maybe not maybe it's festival season <laughs> holidays birthdays that kind of thing but also uh, an interesting thing is maybe it's not how much you how much you value it, but how much the in, it like resonates with the individual that wants to buy it. You know, will affect that purchase yeah. as well or Definitely. the price. Definitely, yeah. and that's I think artists owe it to themselves to take some time explaining their work to a little bit. I'm learning that a lot myself um, to like another level. Like before, I explained it like whether it just be with a simple sentence that kind of correlated and felt like the same energy to me or like a name. Now I'm trying to get more into like actually talking about the process of things, not necessarily on every piece, but more often because I realize it is what you're talking about. Like it's the connection that the person can draw to it. Right. Is really kind of what it's all about. And that varies vastly. It's like, it's this spectrum. And so if you can help them get higher up on that and have a better time with it, you're going to engage them more and your art is going to speak more to the world in that way. Right. I feel like they're, a lot of celebrities or um, influencers or whatever you want to call them that they, they kind of understand that now. And it's like adding a narrative to their life and like what they're advertising or like marketing themselves as. <clears throat> and so it's like a new level of product placement. It's like life, real time life product placement. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it, yeah. it's, it's shitty in one way, but it's cool in another that it allows us to, use the things that we actually like. Like when I show a video or a picture of my titanium bone doodab or like, it's cause I use that shit every day and I'm, I want other people to like know that. And if they want something like that, I want them to know where to go to get that. And I think if you amplify that, you know, times how many followers and, and everything that you have, like you can almost make a pretty decent living doing it. It's just a lot of work yeah. and a lot of interaction and that's draining depending mm. on your personality type. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's just a lot of consistency. So like, how, how do you do, like, do you ever feel like discouragement when you're putting your artwork out there? Like maybe earlier before you got so many followers or before you were selling? <laughs> yeah. I mean, still, man, still all the time. And like, how, what uh -huh. do you do to deal with that? Or like, how does that affect you and your work? I mean, I feel like I've definitely tamed it a lot now where I'll feel it, but I just post it anyway and go with it. And maybe I'll like sweat a lot and just go shower, but it's kind of like a neutral thing to me. Like I don't mm. attach myself to that. I'll feel like I don't feel bad that that's happening. Mm -hmm. um, but it definitely used to kind of be a problem where I would think like, right, what am I doing? Like, is this even worthwhile? And because you, no matter how much you love what you do and no matter how much it's genuine and actually matters, 
you're going to have times where it feels like it doesn't matter at all and it's pointless because that's because your emotions have the capability of getting there and so they're going to use that as what they're talking about right but that's that's the whole game right knowing yourself knowing your emotions and how you'll react and then acting accordingly and you know sculpting these these memes and and this information transfer based around that so that when you get it back like you're you're ready you know Mm. Mm -hmm. i feel like the podcast just went into like self-help mode (laughs) it does that sometimes (laughs) we're here we're here to help anybody out there listening just uh you know just work through it you got this (laughs) it takes some time to do nothing that's the best. That's been key for like, me lately. Nothing. Like don't don't pick anything up. Don't look at anything in particular. Just sit there. See what happens. <laughs> See what happens. You'd be surprised. <laughs> It'll only be a number of seconds before you go, oh shit, I could and you'll have to calm yourself down and be like, okay, I could act on that idea later, but I'm just gonna sit here still. And you get more ideas and they just keep getting the more you sit with it, the better and more complicated and more helpful to you they get and it's like kind of passing this threshold that you have to keep choosing to just be in the nothing and it keeps coming if the nothing has a pad and a pen it can write down those things and then get back to them when one is not doing nothing <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> although that is yeah. that is doing something so fuck all my arts for the most part subconscious like i try not to think about it too much i just try to do and see what happens how long does one of your pieces take to make? Are we just counting time out at the workshop, like with the equipment on and me working? Are we including like necessary breaks in between and food and, or just like hours yeah. in the piece? I guess, um, I guess I'd have to know like what your process is prior to like really knowing that, I guess, <laughs> but it's a lot of sage, <laughs> a say, lot of weed. <laughs> let's just say from the time you're inspired to doing it to actually like, picking up your tools and working on it until you're finished. Like what, what does that look like? Um, most pieces are like a one to two day process. Oh, wow. Just from like waking up and working and then going to bed. Oh, um, sometimes I can get like one and a half pieces done, maybe two in a day if I really get in a lot of time, but that's pretty rare. Well, they're just so Um, detailed and it seems like you're working with something pretty fragile. I thought they would take maybe, I don't know. Four, they're not fragile. Four to six days. Oh, they're not. Like, they're no, like I've I've caught a couple on a polishing wheel, and they'll like fly across the concrete room and bounce off the floor and be fine. Really? It's mammoth tusk, bro. Mammoths mammoth tusk had to like stupid. Mammoth tusk fight used, with it's these. made for pushing down trees. I mean, yeah, like, yeah, it's it's pretty. Oh, <laughs> oh wow. Okay. I'm not I, recommending to anybody that owns a pendant to drop one or throw it around or to push down a tree with safe. it. I cut so, trees down but, with mine. Right. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, uh, that's crazy. I. Th- Figured since like because of the age, like there would have been some kind of deterioration, or maybe it would have broken down, so it no, wouldn't not be really. That's what's crazy. Yeah, it's still like hard as could be. Wow. I mean, it's easier to carve than beef bone, for instance, like a little bit, just slightly. Right. But it almost seems stronger because it's not as brittle as beef bone is. Their Ford tusk. Beef bone wants to like shatter if it breaks, and mammoth tusk will like crack along a line. Hmm. That's crazy. Oh. So you're saying one to two days on each piece. I, I totally thought that you were spending like a week at a time on these things. I mean, there's so much detail in, in them. And then like, you know, put like setting your stone in it as well. Like, are you using some yeah. kind of adhesive to like hold that in there? Yeah. So it's HXTAL. It's a glass on glass epoxy made by his glass works. They're like a local here in Asheville. Oh, cool. And they make the epoxy. There. Wow. But it's it's made for glass on glass, so it has the same refraction as clear glass. Mm-hmm. In other words, if you put two pieces of clear glass together with it, after it seals, you won't be able to see right. like the crack anymore. It disappears. And so it works great with gemstones because if there's any on the rim, it won't affect like the refraction of the gemstone at all. It's not going to make it look weird up under it or anything like that. Hmm. And it bonds really, really well to the gemstone and to the mammoth tusk. Yeah, that's awesome. That's super cool. It kind of turns into like almost like a glass. Right. It hardens. Have you had many come back where people are like, hey, my gemstone fell out. Can you fix it? Or is that like, does that? Oh, yeah. I have them every once in a while for sure. But it's definitely like a learning process whenever they come in where I realize 
oh, okay, well, this one wasn't like set in enough or I didn't oh, get nice. a, enough epoxy in here. I might have done like a thin ring of it. And maybe I had to put like, for instance, every once in a while you have to put the gemstone in and you realize it's off angle. So you pull it back out to put mm-hmm. it in. Mm-hmm. And maybe I should have put more epoxy in after I did that. And I didn't realize there wasn't enough left. So it's all kind of a learning process as you go. Because I mean, like when I started, I had no idea how to turn on the Dremel. Like I didn't know how to do any of this. So it's all been learning and collectors. I mean, everybody's been wonderful about, about it, honestly, like anytime something happens, people are super understanding, um, no rush about it. Mm. And it's been great to work with everybody. I've gotten almost all the repairs out that I've gotten back, except for, I have like two or three right now that I've had for a couple of weeks, maybe a month. It right. just takes some time because I want to work on them as genuinely as I did when I first did. Right. I don't want it to just be a do it and get it out of the way task. So I'm trying to let it sit there until it's like it feels like a genuine time to go work on it. Right. And everybody's been about that. Nobody rushes it because I think they respect that too. Yeah, that's awesome. I definitely think you probably it's fun every once in a while <clears throat> get them back. Honestly, stuff ships out. <laughs> I'm like never gonna see it again for the most part. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a big issue with a lot of people working on their artwork, selling artwork, and that. Um, everything's so unique and probably feels like pretty special to them or, you know, like creating it, taking yeah. the time to do it. You never see it again. It's kind of a bummer in a sense. Yeah, it is, but it's almost like, I don't know. I got used to it around like two years. Maybe it stopped being like a weird thing mm-hmm. and it's almost it sounds kind of dark, but it's almost like a death of the piece to me. Right. Like we have this little life together. And then I kind of put it in its little casket and send it away. Yeah, right. And like, it's not that it's, it's not that it's dead at all. Like I, I'm very aware that it's living and I may see it again. And I hope it's like blessing the person that it's with and they get many contemplative moments with it. But like, for me, I've already accepted that this is probably all the time I'll get with it. Mm-hmm. And so if I ever see a collector come around and they're wearing one or somebody sends me a picture on their story, it's like, Oh, cool. I actually get to see it again. And I don't feel like a longing for them like I used to. I just get excited when I happen to see them again. Hmm. Brings it back to the forefront of your mind. Like you, you almost forget about the piece because you're working on the next one and the next one. And it, it kind of reminds you. Yeah. It's cool. And I think it was before I just wanted to make really cool stuff, which is still a good goal. But then at the end, I wanted to keep that really cool stuff. And now my goal is very much centered in I want to get as much art out into the world as possible. Right. And so when you were saying earlier, like the one or two day thing, like, yeah, it can be sometimes a day, but it's from when I wake up, it's everything I do to when I go to bed, pretty much. It's seven days a week. I just, this is all I do. I like, I like living like this. For sure. So you don't have like a nine to five or like a part-time job on the side or anything. Uh, I haven't haven't had a job since the day I started. This is all I've been doing. Damn. That is impressive. That's super awesome. (laughs) I don't really go anywhere. You know that video of Logic where he's like, I don't leave the house. I don't fuck with nobody. <laughs> That's how I feel pretty much all the time. Like, <laughs> we just don't go anywhere. We get invited to stuff. And like, <clears throat> I always appreciate that. But I just want to go make art. Yeah. I'm so happy at the workshop. Right. That would be me if I didn't have to go to work. <laughs> That's why I have been here to, to go into public for me. Yeah. Bring back supplies. Right. <laughs> supplies and medicine. AKA cheesesteaks. <laughs> cheesesteaks and medicine. <laughs> oh, man. Did you see, uh, I was checking my newsfeed earlier, and it looks like we've discovered organic life, or this, not organic life, but like the building blocks of organic life in these water jet plumes that are coming off of Enceladus. And like every time I see that, it makes me think, like, is that how we got here or how our, you know, single cell ancestors started here from the water jets. Well, just from, from another spot in the universe that is like vomiting out this, this plume. And then a comet comes through it, picks up a few amino acids, hits our planet where we're at now. And, you know, evolution takes over and, and here we are. Uh, 50 billion or however many years later that's like, weird talking about it on a podcast when you use the word plume it makes me think <laughs> of like mushroom spores more so than like water jets yeah well but, it's but it's the space essential. no gravity like it plumes right. once it breaks atmosphere right it's almost like uh like a cloud yeah and then yeah. you just float out there until something just 
randomly comes by. And it's so crazy. Just attach yourself to it and yeah. Or and it gets pushed I in love, different directions. I think it's Terrence McKenna's theory that plants invented us. I've been seeing that meme a lot lately, which is crazy with the uh, Rick Moranis from Little yeah. Shop of Horrors. It's weird what like the hive mind brings to the forefront and and replicates, you know, what they choose to <laughs> to to see. It's, it's it blows my mind when that happens cuz you'll see it in one spot and then the synchronicity will happen, you'll see it in like four other spots within like 5 hour period or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but like I I kind of like that idea. That makes sense to me. Plants seem kind of smarter than us. Like right? they found a way to exist in which they don't have to do anything. <laughs> Just hang out and bask in the sun. Photosynthesize. They continue to inspire and like, I get so many ideas just from looking at trees. Like, I feel so grateful for their existence, and like they're doing that by not doing anything, and that's inspiring. Like, there's another thing. <laughs> Earlier, you're talking about like how we have more opportunity for our paths or for like our artwork to be out there, whereas like Van Gogh may not have, or like other artists may not have. Um, I think it's interesting that that whole thing, like the idea of having like followers and having the ability to put yourself out there. It's like you can market anybody to the point where like Instagram models are making tons of money. And that's just like yeah. based on them, their body and their personality. And uh, that, mm-hmm. you know, that that's that's crazy to think is like a creator, like any type of content creator, or like your jewelry or like Matt with his glass, you know, um, some people aren't having to like really produce. They just need to like have that narrative in there, you know, for other people to follow or like feel like they relate to or aspire to. Um, Well, there's, there's creators and then there's amplifiers and, and wholesalers and shop. Like there's a whole world of that. Like I don't make any art. Right. Except for like music and shit, but like any art to like sell like that. But I know a bunch of people that do. And I know computers where they know glass and torches. So Mm. we meet up and like, there's a store you can now buy this stuff on. With your glass, do you um, put like a little background story, any kind of narrative to who's making that? I mean, yeah, it's it's listed by like artists and stuff. But like, unless people like reach out and ask, like, I really don't have much interaction with the people that are buying the stuff unless they right. hit me up on Instagram. You're like the Which is the place. cool part about it. Like I can just sit back and as long as I, you know, keep the courts stocked and everything, like people are happy. And when they have questions, they're stoked that I'm not like this super condescending asshole. Like mm. not all artists, obviously, but some artists out there like are very not approachable. And like people get turned off by that. They still want their art, but they're afraid to reach mm. out and to make that initial contact because they don't want to get yelled at or they don't want to see they're this artist that they hold in a certain light. Like mm-hmm. they don't want to see them in a different light and then ruin that whole narrative that they had created mm-hmm. a- about the artist and the art. Yeah. Negative experience is all it takes. I'm to just kinda... a channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I think there, there was one, uh, one rapper that I, I loved his music for years and years. And then when I met him in person, uh, it was not a good experience and I haven't listened to any of his music since. And so I would imagine for people... That's kind of the worst when you meet a hero and then they just really disappoint you. You're like, oh, man. Oh, yeah. He was super egotistical and, like, just, I don't know, just a real chode. Or, like, when you figure out Santa Claus isn't real. That, that, oh, yeah, that same kind of... Me. Like, exactly. just any kind of magic that I thought was alive in this world was right. just non-existent. <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, it definitely you need you need all of that to make any of this work. Like it it doesn't work with just one piece. Yeah, absolutely. The whole world's kind of goal seems to be variety and novelty. I'm reading this book. Uh, it's by Chris Ryan called "Civilized to Death," and he's kind of talking about how like agriculture and civilization is basically our downfall. That we're always reaching for this unattainable thing this this forward progress that really doesn't have an end and it's been making you know this this small subsection of the population just more and more rich and powerful while the rest of us are just kind of doing our own thing or worse you know living in squalor and on the streets and and stuff like that and uh it's really like eye-opening that like 
there's no way where we're at now, like that we could go back to that. Like I would not survive a week hunting and gathering, you know, maybe, maybe if I had yeah. the right tools <laughs> and if I was prepared and stuff, but like to be born, and we might last, but I don't think we're psychologically capable of going back like that. No, I we've think been changed human too mind much. Desires mm. new creativity and innovation. So once you know that we're at this level, you only want to move past that. Right. And that's, that's like the whole problem. They, they, he kind of in the, the beginning of the book, he talks about like where it all started and it was like, everything was great for this long period of time. It was after the, the ice started to melt and everything. And they called it like the endless summer or something like that. It, it just went on for like a few centuries. And so people like started building bigger and bigger communities because they didn't have to keep roaming around, you know, through seasons to kind of find the food that they needed. And so eventually they got to a point where there was just so many people because the land was so giving because it was always summer that once climate started swinging back the other way, they had to do something in order to feed and take care of their large, large villages. And that's when kind of the first farming and, and agriculture in a way started. And from that point, it's been like making, trying to find a solution and then solving their problem, but then that creating a bunch of other problems. And he says, you know, 30, 40, 50,000 years later, we're still dealing with that. Like where we have all this technology and we have all this shit and we've had people telling us for decades now that like, yo, if we don't change some of these things we're doing, like we're going to fuck this planet up really bad and like we're not going to be able to fix it. But we keep kind of solving like fast problems and making like bigger problems, you know, just for that quick solution to, to survive another day. And it's just compounded and gotten worse and worse until here we are like trying not to get hit by asteroids and, and go out like the dinosaurs did. Well, isn't that kind of the human <laughs> condition to begin with? I mean, like when you talk about like Buddhism or Hinduism, it's like you're always trying to fulfill a need on an individual basis. The only way to really do like to, to end that cycle is to meditate and focus and not, you not know, do anything, which a, is, avoid, yeah. avoid the, the need or avoid the wanting, um, but that's what all this stuff you're talking about with influencers and commercials and advertising and marketing, like it's all designed to create a need that's not there. Right. Yeah. Like wanting to be a better person is a condition of thinking that you're a bad person. Right. Right. So anything that makes you think like, oh, there's something for me to move towards, like, ah, uh, mm. you're kind of all that you are. And mm. maybe if you needed to be something different, you would be that. It's the same I've kind thing. of gotten it's that just... belief recently for myself. Like I, I feel like I picked all of this beforehand and forgot about it. <laughs> you mean like, it seems too perfect. You mean like prior to like going through the veil and like being born in that? Exactly. Is... Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. So that like, when I've I look back theory. on my life, yeah. like for instance, we'll take when I used to make music as a teenager and I had like some speakers in my bedroom and I would be trying to like work on this kick and put a compressor on it and put an equalizer on it and all this stuff. And I'm playing it over and over. And my dad's like yelling, like, turn down that garbage. Cause <laughs> garbage is just what he calls stuff that annoys him, you know, and nothing against him. He was probably going through a really stressful time, but I, I always had it in me as a kid, you know, like that bit of you that wants to spite your parents when they tell you not to do something or like see how far you can go before you get in trouble. So I almost feel like my drive for repetitiveness now, like making pendant after pendant and putting in design after design, all these tiny designs on a pendant, is that little kid in me still that's spiting <laughs> my dad going, I'm going to be repetitive. I'm going to do something over and over. <laughs> and it served me perfect. Like, like I'm, now I'm so grateful for that. Like if I could go back in time and talk to him as me now and be like, I'm me from the future – don't change anything you're doing. Like I, I wouldn't even want to go meet him, you know, like I, and now I get why I can't go back into the past because I'd only fuck shit up consciously. That's perfect. Hmm. And so all these things in my life that kind of, I felt like hurt me at the time or made me angry or sad or whatever it was like the situations that I had to go through to grow out of every one of them has come with something that is essential to my current character and being able to do what I do now. Do you think that that philosophy takes away the idea of free will? 
Well, you still have the choice. I don't think so because I think like imagine there's a path and you're going to walk down it, but you can pick the colors. You're going to go basically the same way, but it might look different. Hmm. Oh, okay. You mean just like your perspective as you're going through whatever it is you're going through? Yeah. So like it might be different situations, but there will be a situation to teach you. Probably, in my opinion, it seems like right if you find a way to avoid one situation that was going to teach you something. You'll be taught the same thing through another situation oh, totally. that somehow brings you right to the same spot. Yeah. Oh yeah. But I, some, of, I think some of that can't be helped in as far as like everyone's wired differently, but it's the fact that you know how you're wired and how you react that allows you to sculpt those situations <clears throat> in a way that benefits you or that, you know, it at least isn't going to be a negative thing. It's going to be at least a baseline thing or it's going to be a positive thing. But not everyone knows themselves enough to know that or they do, but they just can't control it, I guess. Like the emotion is too strong. Right. Yeah. There's a passage from the Emerald Tablets that applies really well to this. What Um, are the Emerald Tablets? So the Emerald Tablets is an old hermetic book, basically, or an old hermetic I don't know what you'd call it, a text. Okay. Uh, written by supposedly Thoth or Hermes Trismegistus. Okay. And in one bit of it, it says, I think it's on the path, like basically it's saying the more you try to walk the path, the farther the mountain becomes, but approach infinite wisdom and the path moves forward before you. Hmm. And which seems very Zen to me in that like, right. I would advise if you're trying to take a shortcut or if you feel like you're running but staying still in your life kind of just stop laugh say i get it and then act and stop thinking enjoy yourself and you'll stop making all these snares and traps and pulling yourself back and extending the path out because a lot of the time it's our own worry and anxiety and especially our thoughts that we perpetuate after we feel worry and anxiety that really just make the path infinitely long for a time mm. mm-hmm and laugh. Laughter, I think, is is pretty key. There's there's a part in the in the book I'm reading, and he talks about the Paraha tribe, and this guy went to live with them for a while. They're this tribe that still hunts and gathers, basically. And he said I already love this story. I'm so excited. It, it blows his mind that like no matter what happens in, in these people's lives, they laugh about it. If they're out fishing and they catch fish, <laughs> awesome. they laugh about it. If they don't catch any fish, they laugh yes. about it. They said if somebody's hut blows over, the person laughing the loudest is the person whose hut it was. And they just laugh about My it God. and then they move on. Do you think that in Where is Amat- this located? Uh, I want to say South America. I need to look. I just started reading the book last night. So okay. I, I, I highlighted some things that like really resonated. Another thing was this quote that said, every time history repeats itself, the price goes up, which really just like struck a chord <laughs> with yeah. me. I yeah. was like, damn, that is true. <laughs> well, do you, do you think in a modern society that um, if, if you laugh at everything that happens, it could be... I mean, you might be viewed as like a crazy person. Yes. Yeah, but that's half the fun of being a crazy person. No, I, yes. yeah, I mean, I agree with that. It's I all fun agree. and games until they commit you. Right. And the uh, Paraha yeah, I tribe. I don't think there'd be anything wrong with like a situation of it, but like, I feel like maybe sometimes it'd be respectful not to, for sure. Right. Like, like oh, laughing at the died. funeral. Maybe or, don't yeah. laugh. Well, that's a good example. Like, uh, we got some bad news at work last week, and I made a horrible joke about it. And I laughed hysterically. Matt did not find it funny. And then, <laughs> but it, it's kind of what we're describing right now is like, hey, I was laughing yeah. the loudest. So I guess I, I won in that situation. I guess you did, <laughs> didn't you? Until they watched yeah, the camera footage to. and see that you were laughing about it. Well, unless, I mean, hopefully they don't have audio. Cause no, I, I know. I would feel really weird. bad if I actually like, if that, if, if it were to hurt someone's feelings, I would feel guilty. And I already did like immediately after because Matt gave me a very, disapproving look <laughs> he gave the camera a disapproving look but you know uh i i try to live by that like making jokes out of things and i think that people can kind of misconstrue that as being like um you know having no empathy and that kind of puts me in a weird headspace like am i a sociopath yeah, no. is that why i'm able to like laugh at these things or am i trying to just um you know am i just trying to cope with these things or make light of it for the time because I don't really know how to handle my emotions until I kind of process things more. Or maybe that is kind of the beginning of the process to like 
work through things, you know, for me personally. Yeah. The Paraha. Well, like imagine if there's like a, a bunch of people holding Brazil. candles out in like the dark woods and they have to go find something over in that direction, whatever it is. You can kind of imagine like a bunch of people kind of pushing one person like we don't really want to go over there. You do it or saying nobody go over there. And it's like you're trying to put light into the darkness by bringing comedy into such a dark situation. And I think that's what that is. That's why I've always enjoyed really dark comedy that kind of makes you go, what in the fuck while you're laughing? Yeah, definitely. Stand it's up. able to take something so dark and then light it up, mm-hmm. which I think is a real talent. A big part of comedy, though, is timing also. Exactly. Yeah. Thanks. And I don't think you had the timing there, Ben. <laughs> Who knows? You know, a wizard's always on time or never late. Whatever that yes. quote goes, just letting you know. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, to answer your so, question, uh, do they're a uh, indigenous tribe in the Amazon? Okay. Cool. Not like Amazon.com. It almost sounded like it could have been in Japan or something. It was such a Zen kind of thing to do. Yeah. Yeah. Most yeah. of the Stories you read are about that kind of a thing. Where did you say that was? Amazon? That, yeah, Amazon.com. You can find that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Amazon. Right. But yeah, I just, the really, really profound stuff. Like, I'm super excited. I pre ordered this book like five years ago, I think, four mm. years ago. It's been a long time, but it's finally out. Really? So I had some free time oh, wow. at work last night and just started going at it and mm. yeah it's i definitely recommend it it's called civilized to death but they have that um book on tape or what i'm sure he does i could read it to you if you'd like that might be a fun podcast just switch episode. over to that right now yeah just <laughs> and now off. i read a passage i <laughs> <laughs> have to ask him if that's okay because he has his own podcast oh he'd love that tangentially speaking which is a pretty good show oh, as well could do an episode every week for one hour, and that would be one chapter of his book. <laughs> All original content. My art by is having you come on and read your book, and then I'll sell it to people. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Oh, what ben, do you, I was going to uh, ask you, what yeah. got you started with drawing? Uh, so, I think, I mean, I've always been drawing for as long as I can remember. I think it's like, yeah, it's always been like a cheap way to entertain yourself or like, <laughs> for, for me, um, when I was younger, it was like I'd get so bored and then I would just like pick up a pen, piece of paper, you know, at usually everywhere you go, whether it's like, you know, a boring like church service or a family member's house or you just don't, you know, wherever you're at, you can do it, which is one thing that I like kind of like about it can always just kind of have a sketchbook there and like pen, paper, pencils, whatever it may be. Maybe it's um you know, colored pencils. Or so coping or mechanism. Absolutely. Nice. Yeah, <laughs> I definitely agree. Yeah, no, it is it's like yeah. cigarettes, but not harmful. Right. Well, <laughs> until my arthritis kicks yeah, in, I feel attacked. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've been drawing for as long as I can remember, honestly. Yeah. Nice, man. What's like, what got you into geometry and the kind of stippling and the fading you do? Cause mm. I love that. Like abstract geometric, stuff in general yeah. it's just my favorite like whenever yeah. i see some artwork that's a big square and a triangle shoved together right i love it right <laughs> yeah i mean i think well i for a long time i was doing kind of like cartoons and doing designs in that aspect and a lot of lettering and some graffiti and stenciling and that kind of yeah. stuff um but then <clears throat> i was i have a really close friend uh i he lived in the same town as me up in montana and he was all about stippling. And he's like a really amazing artist. He kind of does things that you would see maybe in like a Dungeons and Dragons rule book, that kind of thing. Oh, um, cool. yeah. Insanely detailed. But then he would also go back through and like do a lot of cross hatching and stippling. And I was like, I was like, oh man, stippling is pretty cool. Maybe I'll try that. He's like, yeah, whatever it takes to add more. Like if, if it's going to add more depth to your artwork, then like you should try it. And I did. Um, I like that. If it's going to add more depth to your artwork, then try it. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. A good sentence. Yeah. So uh, I, I did that. And then one day I was heading to Michael's to pick up some like art supplies and stuff. And I saw these, um, I, I just call it the circle tool. It's just a bunch of various sizes of circles. And so yeah, I started playing with those. And that's like where a lot of that newer artwork comes from. Um, the spirograph? Oh, cool. No, it's not quite a spirograph. Oh, okay. No, it's like a plastic cutout with a bunch of circles and triangles punched out of it. So you can kind of okay. like literally use a, a pencil. Stencil. Yeah. 
Yeah. So, you know, we picked up some circle tools and we started fucking around with those. And like, I really like it because, um, where like a lot of my cartoons are like little designs or characters. I feel like those have a lot more meaning. And then when I start to work with, uh, the, the circle tool and a ruler, it's like none of that artwork has any meaning. It's just like, how smooth can I do these fades? Like how, how symmetrical can I make something? How can I like make these circles overlap? You know, it's, it's more about like perfecting a technique instead of uh, giving any meaning to it. And, and I Mm -hmm. kind of, I like that. I like that. Some people can like kind of tie their own meaning to it, but also then I don't really have to be thinking I can totally uh, zone out and like be focused at the same time. You know, it's something that gets yeah, you into that. Geometry state. is such a meditational practice to draw. Yeah. Right. And so like, I, I, another thing is like when I see a lot of, um, sacred geometry out there, it's like really, really awesome. Uh, and I never really got any good at that. And so what I tried to do was like take aspects of it and then turn it into kind of, um, more of like a graphic design, like, uh, like a test run or something, you know, something that yeah. was there for practice. And then the more time I put into it, the more it becomes like its own piece. If that makes any sense. Is it because it's so hard to draw a circle like freehand and a straight line? Um, I'm actually like, can you draw a circle like a perfect it's circle? It's almost impossible. It's almost impossible, you, like, but... If you mount your knuckle or something, you can spin the paper. But if you're using a compass, it puts like a little dot mark in the paper, yeah. which is kind of annoying. Yeah. yeah. Especially can, for a final piece, I'm sure. I can mm-hmm. do smaller circles pretty well. Doing a lar- on anything on a large scale would be almost impossible. There's no way you could do it. I can do lines pretty straight. I can do circles pretty straight. But you're not going to... It's not a ruler. You know, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's not going to be a ruler. And like... The longer the line yep. is, the more opportunity there is to kind of like, you know, mess up or to go a little bit crooked or like fall off of like a That's a metaphor line. for life. Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. The longer you live, the more time you'll have to fuck this up. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Watch this. Yeah. Or the longer you spend with your tasks before just doing them and getting them done. Right. Yeah, definitely. The, they might fuck with you in your life. Mm-hmm. You always see that with with glass artists, and they're they're at that moment where they don't have to fuck with the piece anymore, and they just have this like overwhelming sense of relief that like mm-hmm. anything yeah. I could do to possibly break the last like twenty hours of my life here like is done. So mm-hmm. yeah, and then you put it in the kiln, and then you hear that tink, and then you're like fuck, bum, bum. <laughs> yep, and then it becomes Schrodinger's kiln. And like you can choose yeah, to either works. open it or not open it and collapse the waveform <laughs> into either a dead piece or a live piece or a dead cat or a dead cat, depending on who's killing it. Is. <laughs> Hell yeah. What are you working on now? Now that you got that cookie up, always on the, the move for something More cookies. I'm in like, like a cookie binge recently. So I'm making a bunch of cookies. That's I awesome. have like three more that I've kind of done some prep work for. And I'll start patterning now. Um, what is a hopefully cookie? the a cookie? It's like mammoth. the pendala pendant, so it's like a okay. circular disc. Okay, and I make hex, like hexagonal geometry on it, but I make it twelve points, so double it. Right, and then punch two holes in the top, like skipping one of the twelve, and then make little pendy holes and like a back hole. Right, and then put a stone in the middle. Sometimes stones on the edges as well. Right, but it's basically to me, it's like an emulation of the rose window. Have you guys seen rose windows like in cathedrals and stuff, like the big circular mandala stained glass in windows? Right. Yeah. I'm familiar. So Carl Jung actually talked a lot about how geometry and rose windows were actually healing to the mind. And who's Carl and Jung? Carl Jung is the founder of analytical psychology. I'm like a, a great guy. If you do some research on him, yeah. he like if you like like psychedelics or any kind of like really understanding the depths of your mind, he went there. Yeah, and sometimes I feel like we totally forget that he's the founder of analytical psychology because his actual theories and writing about stuff is so bizarre and far out and lines right up with like Hinduism and everything that I feel like we would think dis- differently about it in colleges or schools, but it seems to still be more traditional. Hmm. Well, and they're also picking and choosing what is 
part of the curriculum. Bingo. And not, yeah, they're being, and here's unless, a little of young, here's a little Kierkegaard, right. here's a little yada, yada, yada. Unless you go out on your own to, to delve, you know, more into, into their teachings. And that probably depends yeah. on how much it resonates with you at the time when you're learning about it. Right. If yeah. it's like just another class that you have to do to make your, your quota or whatever, you're probably not going to be that into it. Yeah. But. Carl Jung talks a lot about rose windows and mandalas and how they like can heal the mind and they have a capacity for that. Okay. He even uses the word magic to describe them and about how they interact with the human mind. But after I started making cookies for a while, I'd been really obsessed with hexagonal geometry from the flower of life that I saw on an LSD trip. And I had made like maybe a hundred of the symmetry cookies, which was before I got into mammoth, mammoth tusk. Mm -hmm. And I looked up some rose windows and I was doing research in it with the young research. And I realized most of them are 12 point geometry, like the hexagonal, the same kind of thing that I was doing. And so I got pretty obsessed with those and studied those more. Right. And since then, like, I really enjoy pouring or enjoy pouring time into the cookies just because they feel like a genuine part of me. Hmm. Cause there's so many components together, but it's also so simple and so clean. And I feel like it just conveys an idea simply, mm -hmm. which is maybe the most difficult thing for me to do sometimes. Mm -hmm. Do you pick the gemstone based on the mood at the time that you're creating the piece or how the piece makes you feel when it comes time to include the gemstone or like what, what's that now that you're using them more? It's like, it's like archery. Like I don't really think about letting go. I just kind of let go. So nice. like when I have all the, like the prep workout and some gemstones, it's just I, I pick up one and it goes with this one, and I pick up another, it goes with that one. It just makes sense to me. Like there's not really right. a way I guess I can put words too well, but it's like it just kind of makes sense that this goes with this one and this right. goes with this I, one. I, I and sometimes it's like that, yeah. I notice the colors act well together. Sometimes it's the size. Right. I don't know how to really say it, but they just make sense together, so I put them together. Yeah, that, yeah, that. it just fits. It's like a exactly. Little, yeah, it's like a little puzzle. That's cool. Yeah, I kind of do the same thing with writing raps and stuff. It like the beat is like the blank puzzle space, and then you just start filling in words, whatever makes you feel, whatever comes to your mind, mm. you know, and then refine whatever fits. Right. Go back, refine, go back, refine, rewrite all that. Mm -hmm. It's good. Stuff. And I'm sure you know it when you have that perfect groove, like when you say something in, in like a freestyle, and you're like, "Oh, that was real good. I should write that down." Yeah, yeah. it's usually like when my brother the feeling is like putting the gemstone on it, being like, "Yeah, that for sure." That fits. Yeah, usually my brother will be like, "You see that flow? Erase everything else, keep that, and then create from there." <laughs> Ooh. And then he'll hit me with that like two or three times, but like it always sucks at first because I'm like, "I'm done with this. This is finished." And then he's like it could be better. I'm like, well, it could always be better. Do you ever want to finish something or should we just always strive for better? <laughs> like, come on. But you could go on forever. When I do, I'm always glad I do. And he's definitely, Mark's definitely got an ear. Yeah. You know way I mean? better than I do for sure. <laughs> I mean, as far as like, his melodies and like the rhythms he puts together. Yeah. Cause he makes the beats. So he's probably not even, he probably doesn't even really listen oh, to the words. He's probably listening like, to the cadence the flow and the, the flow. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's so. gotta be pretty cool, Matt, to have something so in common with your brother, to be able to like continue to collaborate on that basis. Do yeah, you, it definitely I do. Have you heard any of uh, Mark's music? Like his EDM. I have stuff. some of Matt's raps, but I haven't heard any of Mark's original songs. I'll have to definitely check that out. Can you send me a link after this? Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll definitely do that. We'll okay. throw one in the show notes. Great. But like his, his first love is like EDM and shit and just making hip hop beats is something he does for me. Right. Cause I'll like pay him oh, to cool. do it. You know? And he's, he's hella talented, but he's good. I mean, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. fucking ridiculous. He's really Fuck talented. Yeah, I'll have to check him out. It sucks. He got all the talent. <laughs> you, you could follow him. <laughs> You could follow him. Are you good on at podcasts, Instagram. dude? You're the best interview I've had. <laughs> you give the best interview, and that's definitely the a talent. <laughs> Hell yeah! Not all right. Well, is there anything else? We'll put links to all that stuff in the show notes, and I know at do it on Instagram at Ben with a pen. If you guys want to follow him, I'm at the Jam Hole. Uh, it's been a pleasure as always, dude. We'll have to do this oh. like once a week or when when you have time. I had one other question yeah, for you, please. Um, yeah, please do. It always ends too fast. Ask oh, your question. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so, <laughs> like when you with your cookies, I've noticed that like you're using these gems that um, the gems are you know they look like diamonds the way that they're cut. Have you ever put any more like organic shaped stones into your cookies? 
Ooh, yes. Uh, not into the cookies, mm-hmm. but like I made a little, I think I called it like a water temple recently. If you scroll down a little bit, mm-hmm. there's a piece that trapped a big aquamarine stone. Mm-hmm. And I used two natural tourmaline pillars Okay. and kind of put together two pieces of mammoth tusk with those inlaid into them. Okay. So they map the two pieces together and act as side pillars oh, that's that awesome. trap it all. Oh, that's awesome. Um, I definitely want to work with some more tourmaline pillars. I love that shape. Yeah, And the pillar shape kind of gives me a lot to work with where I can, it's pretty easy to cut so I can get the sizing exact and okay. maybe I can make some puzzles or cages or whatever else with it that I can think of. Well, I had one idea that I might be interested in. Um, Ooh. So there's a stone called Rainbow Obsidian. Are you familiar with that? Ooh. Yes, I've seen that a couple times. It's wild. Yeah, it's wild, right? What if you had like a small piece of that that was like in a completely like smoothed out um, organic shape? And you place the like you would have to like cut the bone or yeah, I guess cut the bone uh to the shape of whatever the stone is. Instead of just like mm-hmm. doing like a tiny hole or like, you know, put it uh a yeah. in it or whatever. Have you done anything like yeah, that? Yeah, for sure. Um I'd consider it. I mean I have some rough chunks of emerald I could definitely do it with now that have some nice like form yeah. to them. Yeah. I just, I love like, because of their symmetry cookies, I love the symmetrical center as well. Right. Well, I was almost thinking like with the symmetry and, and the, uh, what'd you say? 12 points that that's what you usually <laughs> go with. Right. Um, yeah. If you had like an organic shape in it, I almost want to draw one up now to kind of give you an idea of what I have in mind. Ooh, a Ben with yeah, a pen do collab. Nice. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, do it. Ooh. Yeah. Maybe I could sketch something up and then it, you know, if you put it into, if you made it, that would be pretty effing cool. Just that would thought. be pretty. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, definitely, man. Like, I, I love that idea too, and I definitely want to incorporate that in more pieces too. I want to be able to like have more natural stones, or I've even been considering recently. I'd love to carve stones. Like, I've been experimenting. I haven't talked about this on my story or anything yet, but I've been experimenting carving covalite. What is that? Which is like this really dark blue. It mm. almost looks like a metal, mm-hmm. but it's a mineral i guess mm-hmm. um so i've made a little disc of that right now i'm probably first going to make one for my supplier because he gave it to me and he was asking about it i might be able to trade it for some supplies like nice. some mammoth tusk which would be fantastic oh yeah but it would be a great practice piece so that i could continue to work with that because i love exploring new things to work with yeah for sure and once you unlock that level you can then find other things to do that too. You know, like once you have that exactly. skill down, that's yeah, that's awesome. Mm-hmm. And then like the more skills you have in your tool belt, the more you can do, the more you can incorporate and the more choices you have to like kind of make a flavor, which appeals to more people, which allows you to continue doing what you're doing. Yeah, definitely. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. And helps you make art. That's more like authentic in the moment too. Like if you only had like salt and pepper, you can't really make food that, feels like what you want it to at the time but if you have like italian seasoning and cayenne and paprika and all this stuff you can kind of experiment and play and make something in the moment and i think that makes it more magical too mm-hmm. yeah, yeah it's good talking to you yeah, yeah. absolutely yeah, i look forward to the you. next time and uh yeah we'll we'll have links to the show notes uh, to all the stuff we talk about so you guys can check it out and uh see the new cookies up for auction very cool stuff Woo. all right have Fantastic. a good day do you yep. have a good one. yeah you as well you guys keep smiling From the psychonaut students to the boys and girls looking at their collars on this dumb blue shit. 
Living painless has always been the mission statement Using drugs as a gateway to raise the stakes It's Trump about to lay the world in ruins That's what you get when you're taught to be stupid And follow useless little dipshits They're in it for the money, not the big picture If this don't fit you, adjust your mixture More weed, less stress, that's the prescription From the Paul Malls to the all Nalls No matter how it blows you, we sit and watch it bombs fall Big on that Mad Hatter pipe Mentality, so follow me with a wobbly while I rock a beat properly while I'm late for tea, rocking like a space opera, launch a trippy satellite to let me treat. And now we're cruising Pick a planet on the map and we'll see how they're doing Puffing on a bunch of slips inside my rocket ship Tau 9000 on that radio talking shit Form from Big Dipper binary star forms Trying to tip the scale to our side before the Star Wars Red giant rolling, teeth grit mouth foaming Wandering this no man's land feels like my omen No shit slow rolling with this old crow in Times Square Watch me reap all this soap so Echo in the head you won't go pro so fuck it just yo from here to that no-no No one ever said that this shit would be easy I gotta blaze through another industry hazing No matter what it may seem Keep life breezy Until then, yo, I gotta slay all the crazy I've been on that Mad Hatter Pied Piper mentality So follow me with a wobbly While I rock a beat properly While I'm in for tea Rockin' like a space opera Launch a trippy satellite Telemetry to comp block CIA Black Ops Fed stockin' Fed Vital doing sex swaps Tax dollars go to work like a big job Brainwashed to get the cheddar rats off that eight ball